All right, good morning. How are you? Good to see you. Good to be back after a few weeks off. I uh, wanted to say hello and thank you for letting me have some time off. I needed some time off and you gave it to me. And the church did not fall apart when I left. You know why? Because Jesus is the one that is, is the center of this place. And I'm grateful to belong to a church where Jesus is the big deal. And I want to say thank you to Pastor Daniel, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Glenn, all of them that preached those amazing messages. We are honored to have a deep bench of people who can bring the word of the Lord to us. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about, I had a, I had a summer. Uh, it wasn't, didn't go quite as I had planned. So I want to give you a quick update on that. You can tell my voice is not 100%. Back in the spring, I started realizing that uh, I was having trouble talking, which is a big deal with what I do. And so I took a group of uh, pastors in June to Israel for seven or eight days. And it was 95 degrees every day there, it was hot. And I walked all over Judea, I think, you know, in those seven or eight days. But the whole time I was there, I was struggling with my breathing, my breath. I couldn't, I couldn't understand it. Uh, I know I'm not in tip top shape, you know, this is a dad bod. I say this is not a dad bod, it's a father figure. Amen. Right. Hey, but I mean, I'm not that, I'm not grossly out of shape either. So I was walking all over Israel, but struggling with my breathing, came back and uh, ran some tests and they discovered a pretty large mass of fluid on the outside of my right lung, which had caused most of my right lung to collapse. Which, uh, so I walked all over Israel on one lung, basically. So that started a series of tests and obviously that's not a good thing to have you know, that much fluid, a pleural effusion on the right side of your lung. And of course, Pam and I are, you know, don't ever go to WebMD when you uh, have symptoms. Because none of it's good. You know, you got like three to four hours to live on all those sites. And uh, so I, I went to the best place that I know. I went up to Mayo in Rochester, Minnesota, two different times. Ended up having a pretty, pretty extensive surgery on my right lung to repair it. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I came back. I don't have cancer. I don't have disease. I don't have any tumors. All that is, all that is clear. Um, so there were some rumors flying around you know, when Pastor Brady goes to Mayo. Uh, well, nothing good can come from that, right? So uh, I just want to clear up any rumors. I'm going to be around many more years, uh, feeling good. Here, here's the bottom line. Uh, and I, this is the word the Lord gave me. And I, I just felt strongly I needed to share this with some of you this morning. If you don't deal with stress properly, your body will speak to you. And I felt like the Lord gave me a word that the reason my lungs were under such pressure is I have not dealt properly with the stress of the last two and a half years, which I don't know if you've been under any stress the last two and a half years, but I have. I hope it's all been rainbows, bunny, bunnies and butterflies for you, but it hasn't been for me because of all the decisions and stress and just trying to navigate all of the, uh, you know, the uncertain places that we've been. And so I feel like my body was saying to me, you need to deal with stress differently. So that's the road I'm on right now. I'm feeling about 85% back, which is better than most men at 100%. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> and I'm speaking today on humility. 
So I just want to tell you, you know, I'm, I listen, I belong to the church. I'm, I'm a member of the church. I'd want you to come tell me how you're doing. So I feel like sometimes I need to tell you how I'm doing. I'm feeling fine. I'm here today. I plan to be in the pulpit on a regular basis starting today. I appreciate the team giving me some space to heal and recover. I'm 55 years old and you know, I need to pay better attention to the way my body responds and performs. I keep telling myself I'm 35 and I'm not, I'm 55. And I've got a lot of years ahead of me. The doctors feel very confident that all of this was just based on some inflammation and stress. And I said, listen, I can handle that, all right? I, I told them I have a really low stress job. I mean, just no stress at all <laughs> in my job. So, all right, turn to the book of Nehemiah. Are you there yet? Go, go to the book of Psalms. If you can find Nehemiah in less than 60 seconds without looking at the table of contents, you're going to heaven. Okay, so do it right now. <laughs> go to the book of Psalms, take a left. If you go to Ezra, you've gone too far. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, I think Job, one of those, it, it's right in there, okay? Between Ezra and Psalms is the book of Nehemiah. Now this book, we're gonna spend several weeks in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah holds a very special place in my story of becoming your pastor. So I'm gonna talk more about this next week, but I wanted to tell you a quick story that when, when the search committee 15 years ago was trying to find the next senior pastor of New Life Church, I was one of four finalists. I came here and I interviewed with the search committee that you had voted on and at the end of that process, at 6 a.m. on a Friday morning at the Holiday Inn Express over here on Briargate Boulevard, the Lord woke me up, 6 a.m., and he said, go sit in that chair, have some coffee, and I want you to read the entire book of Nehemiah. And it was in that moment, reading through the entire book of Nehemiah on a Friday morning, a Thursday morning, I forget which one, but it was, I know it was 6 a.m., had the windows open, the sun was coming up on Pikes Peak, it was in May, there was still a little snow on Pikes Peak in the month of May there. And the Lord spoke to me as I was reading Nehemiah, that you're going to be the next pastor at New Life Church. And 15 years later, I'm standing here as a testimony to what God can do when you open up the Bible and you allow him to speak to you about your calling. This morning, I wanna give you a heads up. I wanna give you fair warning. In the next 30 minutes, the Lord's going to awaken some of you to your calling. Some of you have not been called and you're going to get called into something. Some of you have been called and you've, al you've allowed it to go dormant. And the Lord's about to rekindle the fire in your heart for your primary assignment. Nehemiah is a story of a man that was not looking for change in his life. So I wanna to speak to you today about Nehemiah chapter one, saying yes to a call. Saying yes to the call of the Lord that is on your life. Let me tell you about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was not a priest. He was not a theologian. Nobody really knows where he studied. He probably had some education, but not a lot. He was not a prophet and he was not a king but he was a steady and faithful man. This is a story of someone who was steadfast and faithful, but was living in relative comfort. And he was surrounded 
by power and wealth. Now I want to pause here just for a moment. To all my Briar Grape brothers and sisters, of which I am one of you, I felt as I was reading through the first chapter of Nehemiah that there was a warning coming to my own heart. Now you can take it for yourself if you want, but the warning was primarily for me to not allow myself at 55 years old to grow accustomed to the comfort and power that we surround ourselves with so that we're not willing to do the radical thing that God might call us to do in this season of our lives. So I'm speaking to you if you're 50, if you're in your 60s, if you're in your 70s and 80s and 90s, as long as you're drawing breath, God has a design and a purpose on your life. We often hear youth pastors telling students this story. And somewhere along the way, as we raise kids and buy houses and acquire mortgages, we forget the passion and the zeal and the fervor of which God called us in to following him. Nehemiah, his name is interesting. His name means Yahweh comfort. That's his name. And he was about to be a great comfort to the city of Jerusalem that was lying in ruins because nobody seemed to care at this moment about the condition of Jerusalem. Or if they did care, they had become convinced that the need was too great to tackle. And listen, this is my great concern about the suburban American church right now. It's easy for us to hear about homeless single moms living in their cars. It's easy for us to hear about broken marriages and families in lands far away. It's easy for us to watch the news and watch the violence that's still going on in Ukraine and pass it off as something that someone else is supposed to take care of. And I've, I've heard myself say this, I pray for them. Thoughts and prayers, hashtag thoughts and prayers. When God's, I, I appreciate your thoughts and we love your prayers, but if your thoughts and prayers don't at some point turn into feet on the ground, if we're hearing the word, but not obeying the word, are we really following the word? Because hearing the word, listening to the word, praying over the word will at some point cause you to step into uncomfortable places in your life. So let's go to Nehemiah chapter one. Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king. Now, this is a really important spot because Nehemiah is required to taste all the food and the drink that the king is going to eventually eat. So think about in days of COVID, ne Nehemiah has to drink it first. And this, this king has to be convinced that Nehemiah has been vaccinated or something. You know, he's wearing his mask or whatever he's doing because he's the one that has to drink the cup first to make sure it's not poisoned. So Nehemiah, that's, that's the role that Nehemiah has. Every day, multiple times a day, Nehemiah would come into the presence of the king of Iran. Artaxerxes is his name. And he would hand the king a cup to drink from and food to eat from. But one day, Nehemiah had heard that Jerusalem, a city that he had never visited, this is very important, Nehemiah had never been to Jerusalem. But one day his brother, his biological brother who did live there, 
came into the kingdom and said, the place is a mess. All the walls are torn down. And more importantly, the people who live there are in constant danger because their walls are not there to protect them. And outside bandits, outside armies are going to, they're easy prey. And he says in Nehemiah chapter one, verse three, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Again, he has never been to this city. He probably only knows a handful of people who have ever been to this city. When I heard these things, New Life Church, if you've got an old school Bible, would you underline that? Because that's critical to the entire story, what I just read. When I heard that, I owned it. It became a part of me. I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Can we just pray right now for the word of the Lord? Father, we are hearing your word today. And Lord, this is a story that's 3,000 years old. But I cannot think of a more contemporary story that we need to read today than the book of Nehemiah. Still speaking to us today, right now. So Father in heaven, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear? Would you give us holy imagination? Would you give us a tender heart to receive these things? Help us to believe what we're reading and hearing. And Lord, more than that, would you change us today by your scriptures and by the power of your Holy Spirit? And if you're okay with any of that, would you say amen? Amen. amen. I remember in November of 2006, some of you old time New Lifers, Remember November of 2006, a great scandal was on the front page of a newspaper on a Friday morning. I know it was a Friday morning because it was my day off. I was working at a church in Dallas, Fort Worth and Friday was my day off. Pam and the kids were downstairs. I walked upstairs, little office area that I had there, opened up my laptop and pulled up Yahoo News or something, wherever my news, I was reading the news. See what was happening in the world while I was in bed. Front page, massive headline was the scandal that was rocking New Life Church at the moment. And I sat there and I read the entire story of what was being leveled against your leader here, against the church. It was awful, it was salacious, the details of which I'm not gonna get into. But I remember reading that and thinking to myself, here we go again, another leader of a significant church having a moral failure. And I almost dismissed it as just another story another sad tale, another person that could not humble themselves, whatever, I was, I was ready to dismiss it. And the Lord said, pray for that church. And I sat there on a Friday morning in Keller, Texas, in my house on the second floor in a little office upstairs, alone with the Lord, and I prayed over New Life Church, a church that I had never been to. I have never been to your campus. I'd never been on your property. I'd never met your pastors. I didn't know anything about you except the reputation. And I sat in my office and I cried over New Life Church. And the reason this story speaks to me is because like Nehemiah, I had a choice. When I heard those things, 
what was I going to do about it? You see, we're only going to give our lives away for something that's broken our hearts. I'm asking you a question today, not what makes you mad. I'm not really that interested in what makes you mad. I want to know what makes you sad. I want to know what you've cried about lately, not what you've yelled about. Now, I don't want to care about your rants. What have you wept over? What is it that's caused you to be so brokenhearted? Because right now the culture is telling you to be outraged and angry. And that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said he, when he walked to Jerusalem, when Jesus was walking to Jerusalem, a place that would crucify him, he sat in front of Jerusalem and wept and said, how many times have I wanted to gather you under my wings like a chick, like a hen gathers her chicks, and yet you have rebuked me, you've walked away from me. His heart was sad for a people that hated him. New Life Church, when was the last time you sat and wept over something and your heart was broken? Because see, that's when real passion will enter into your life. That's when the power to make change will enter into your life. And passion is not a fleeting emotion. I'm here today preaching with passion because I believe everything I'm saying. I've lived everything that I'm saying. I know what I'm saying today is true because I've lived it out in front of you. And passion is not some fleeting emotion. It is a sustainable burden from God that will last. 15 years later, I still love this city. I still love you. I still believe the gospel can penetrate the darkest heart. I still believe that God's power can heal the greatest disease. I believe that there is no marriage that cannot be saved and no prodigal that cannot come home. I believe all of that with all of my heart. What we bought into is hype though. I'm not here today to bring hype into your life. You've got enough of that. Hype is the product of human emotions and our flesh. It starts strong, but it rarely finishes. I was with a group of young leaders not long ago and they, one young man said, hey, Pastor Brady, who do, you, who do you read? What books do you read? I said, most of the books that I read are written by dead people. <laughs> he looked at me with this strange thing like, what? I said, most of the books that I read were written by dead people. He goes, what do you mean by that? He says, because, I said, because I'm not interested in some young leader who has great charisma, who can win the crowd. I think that's nice and exciting. What I'm looking for are men and women who love the same man and woman for 40 years, who were faithful to their congregation, who knew Jesus intimately until the day they died. And at the end of their life, they have something to say. Those are the people I'm reading. I, want, I don't care about hype. I want holiness. I want faithfulness. I want longevity. I want someone who's walked in the same place a long obedience in the same direction. Passion can start with excitement, but needs endurance to finish well. So New Life Church, I'm here today to remind you that you're called into the ministry. I thought Pastor Andrew did a brilliant job a few weeks ago of talking about this. It was one of the best messages I've ever heard. I wanted to raise my hand and come to the altar that day and I was watching online. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to reflect back on some of that and give some additional thoughts to a message you've already heard. Because I think the Lord is saying something to us at New Life Church. Let us not get accustomed 
to places of comfort and power, which we have, and forget that God has actually called us into the work of the ministry. So how are we called? And I want you to write down these few thoughts that I'm about to give you, and then we're gonna to pray together at the end of this message, and I believe the Lord is going to call some of you. And he's gonna remind the rest of you of what you're called to do. So here's the first thing about being called, is that we listen. New Life Church, you've heard me pray this over and over again for 15 years, and I'm not really praying it for you, I'm really praying it for me, hoping that you'll catch it at some point. But it's not, it's not just something I'm praying out of routine, it's not something I'm praying out of rote, it's something I'm praying because I understand that if I'm not listening, God can't lead me. God cannot lead your life unless you're listening. That's, that's extremely simple. But I'm telling you the truth, what you're listening to right now is leading you. Let me say that again, I didn't expect a great amen there. I was hoping for maybe one, maybe a golf clap or something there. You're being led by what you're listening to. And all of, you are being, all of us are being influenced by something. When I wake up, when I woke up this morning, I prayed that three word prayer that I've been praying now for a long, long time. Come Holy Spirit. I prayed it this morning at 6.15 when my eyes woke up. 6.15, I was awake, I was ready to go. And I said to the Lord, come Holy Spirit. Why am I praying that? Because I want to have ears to hear. You hear me pray this all the time, Father in heaven, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us a holy imagination, give us a heart to believe. Why am I saying that? Because what I'm paying attention to will ultimately shape and form and direct my life. The people that have said yes to the call of the Lord are people who are infatuated. They are absolutely seeking God's voice and direction. Nehemiah, I'll say this again, verse four of Nehemiah one. He says, when I heard these things, leave that up just for a moment. You know how many other people had heard that? It was a common story. Everybody in the Mediterranean world knew that the Persian army had decimated Israel, destroyed Jerusalem, and led tens of thousands of slaves out of Israel to be their slaves in Iran, modern day Iran. Everyone knew that. Everyone knew that the walls were broken. Everyone knew that the people that had been left behind were vulnerable. Everyone knew it, but only a few were listening. Everyone had heard it, but Nehemiah was listening. Let me give you a, a little, this is a simple exercise to do this week. And I wanna warn you, first of all, that we can't fix all the world's problems. I'm not putting that on you, okay? I don't want you to walk out of here today going, well, I just was told that I gotta fix everything I hear. No, you can't but you gotta fix something. You know we're all called to be repairers of the breach, repairers of the broken walls. We're, we're all called to put our hands to the plow at some point. We are all called to put an instrument in our hand and repair something. And it might start with repairing your own heart, repairing your own marriage, repairing your home. That's probably a good place to start. But at some point outside of your personal experience, we are called to go do the work 
of the kingdom outside of ourselves. But you'll never do that unless you listen. So I want you to, if you, every local news story you hear this week, every national, international story you hear this week, would you just pause and say, Father, what are you saying to me about that? And it might be 95% of the time, the Lord says, pray over them, pray over them, pray for that, speak life over that. But I suspect that there'll be one time this week where one particular story is gonna to speak to you directly and the Lord's gonna give you more specific instructions about what you can do to make a difference in that particular story. Are you listening? Yeah. Will you pay attention with me this week? I'm gonna do the same, I will listen. And then by the way, if you listen, this is gonna be so obvious. If you listen, you'll hear God's voice. <coughs> One of the things I tell my kids, Abram, Callie, all their life they've asked me, Dad, how do you hear the voice of the Lord? So will you listen and you'll hear him. And when you hear him, it leads to the third thing, we say yes. You know why God's not speaking to many of us? Because he already knows the answer to the question. You see, I've made up my mind. I was living in a suburb in Keller, Texas with one of the best jobs in local church ministry. I had a pool with palm trees in my backyard in Dallas-Fort Worth. And it was the first time I'd ever owned a house with a backyard pool. I had two small kids. Abram was eight, Callie was six. We had a pool in our backyard. And the Lord said to me, leave this. Will you leave it and go to a broken church in Colorado where nobody knows your name? Nobody knows you. They're gonna look at you like a calf staring at a new gate. They're not gonna trust you. Most of them are not gonna like you because you have Texas license plates. <laughs> I actually got told that my first week here. I drove up, I had a car at the time and it had Texas license plate, the Lone Star State, the Republic of Texas. Everyone thought I was from Texas. Why well, I'm not, I'm from Louisiana, which is worse to some people. <laughs> now, not only is he not a Texan, he is from Louisiana. And I said words that you'd never heard. I remember the first time I said oil. Well, they, uh, people looked at me and I said, no, it's oil. So I've, I've corrected that over the years, all right? Anoint with oil. I remember how you looked at me those first few weeks. And I thought to myself a thousand times, why did I come here? No one knows me. I was a complete stranger. I stood up here and preached in front of you and nobody knew me. But I said, yes. People have asked me over the years, Pastor Brady, you seem that, that what a courageous choice that was to go to a church that was broken and messy. I said, well, it had nothing to do with courage. It was obedience. It was naivety maybe, it was, it was innocence. But there was a time in my life where the answer was always yes. If God asked me to do something, I'll go where you say go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be with the people you want me to be with. The answer is always yes. And the reason I'm preaching this so strongly to you this morning is I wanna make sure that that's who I am today. So whatever the Lord asks me to do, wherever he tells me to go, whatever he asks me to do, I'm listening and I will hear his voice. And the answer is always yes. Which leads to the fourth thing if you're serious about a call on the Lord. You have to refuse to quit. I can promise you 
There will be a thousand opportunities to quit when you say yes to the Lord. This week, in fact, as I was trying to get my health back and trying to make sure my voice was strong enough to, to preach twice, the Lord took me to Galatians 6, verse 9. He said, Brady, don't become weary in doing good. At the proper time, New Life Church is going to reap a harvest if New Life Church does not give up. New Life Church, you're so close to reaping a harvest in your life. Listen, some of you need to hear this. You are so, you're closer than you think to reaping the harvest that you've worked so many years to get. You have been faithful. You have been true. You have been diligent. You've been prayerful. You've kept your heart pure. You have served when nobody noticed. And your harvest is so close right now. You're about to reap something that you've been sowing. Do not give up. Don't give up right now. In my first year here, I'll, I'll never forget this story. I was in my office and I'd just gotten an email and I think I was called a progressive liberal Texan something. I forget all the names I got called that day. But it was, it was, it was, it was death by a thousand cuts. I tell people that pastoral ministry is like getting attacked by a group of chihuahuas. <laughs> and they, they, one chihuahua can't kill you. But if a thousand of them ever got organized, <laughs> sometimes that's what pastoral ministry feels like. I'm just getting nipped at all the time and I'm just going, quit, stop. And if they ever got organized. And I was having one of those days where I was, I think I was sitting in my office and it was snowing outside in like September. <laughs> and I, I was thinking of my pool in my backyard in Texas that was 85 degrees water. I was having one of those moments. I was, it was a real pity party. It was a full on pity party. I've been at those parties. I've been at that party a few times this summer. I don't like those parties, but I find myself there all the time. Self-pity. And I, I'm honestly having a very serious conversation with the Lord about quitting. And honestly, this is exactly how the story happened. While I'm saying to the Lord, how much he mistreated me and why he, why did you call me to this God forsaken place? I had that moment, my phone rang and a dear brother in the Lord who I've known for 25 years said, Brady, I was praying for you a moment ago. Were you thinking about quitting? <laughs> I'm busted, right? I'm busted. I said, yes, yeah, I'm thinking about quitting. And I had, every, I had some pretty good excuses to quit, guys. I don't think many people would have been that upset with me. Most people were encouraging me to quit. <laughs> Thank God, prayers answered. <laughs> he said, Brady, um, this is for somebody today. I don't know who it's for, maybe someone watching online. He said, Brady, you've been thinking that if you came back to Texas, that it would be easier for you here, right? I said, yes, it'd be a lot easier. Have you been reading the news about what's going on up here? He said, Brady, if you come back to Texas, you're still gonna have to kill Goliath. So either kill Goliath there, or you're gonna have to kill Goliath back there. But you're not gonna live your life without having to kill Goliath. Let me explain to you what that means. You know, the story of Goliath is the story of a giant, a Philistine warrior who would come out every day and taunt and criticize and cast fear into the hearts of the Israel army. 
of the Jewish army. He would taunt them. And they were afraid to go out and meet him. Until a shepherd boy arrived with some bread and cheese one day and said, who's going to put a stop to all that? And the grown men in the army were, uh, were too afraid to go out and face the giant Philistine. But the little boy who would later become king named David took out his, whatever, the little weapon that he had, slingshot, <laughs> and killed Goliath and cut off his head. Now that's an awful bizarre story. But the reason my friend was telling me that, I said, Brady, what's causing you the most anxiety? What's causing you to be afraid? What is paralyzing you with fear? At some point in your life, you'll either be a slave to that thing or you're going to have to kill that thing. That's when you know you're not going to quit. What's causing you to be paralyzed with fear? What are you, what are you afraid of? We just sang a song about Jesus going to the grave and being resurrected. If that is true, there is nothing in this planet, nothing on this earth that should cause us to be paralyzed with fear. If Jesus went to a borrowed tomb and overcame death, hell, and the grave, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now living in us, we are not a people of being afraid. We are not a people of fear. And I remember that day hanging up the phone and saying, I am not going to be afraid of failure. I'm not going to be afraid of unfair criticism. I'm not going to be afraid of what's in front of me. And I killed Goliath that day. And I'm here today as your pastor to tell you, when God calls you, you can't quit because a great harvest is waiting for all of us. Stand with me this morning. Stand up with me this morning. I want to read one more passage of scripture before we come to the table of the Lord. And this is out of Nehemiah 1. We're still in chapter 1, verse 7. And then we're going to come to the table. But I want to read this one scripture over you. Sometimes we think that Jerusalem was this idyllic place. I was just there a few months ago. It's still a mess. It's still angry. There's still defiance. It's the same Jerusalem that was in Nehemiah's day is still there today. And listen to what Nehemiah says. We have acted very wickedly towards you, God. We've not obeyed the commands, the decrees, and the laws that you gave your servant Moses. And remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses. If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. And that's exactly what had happened. Israel had become unfaithful and they got scattered to the nations. He says, but if you return to me and obey my commands, if you'll just turn your heart back toward me, then even if your exiled people are at their furthest horizon, in other words, if you're the furthest you can possibly be away from God today, you're at the end of your rope, you're at the bottom of the pit. He says, I'm gonna make a promise to you. I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. New Life Church, I got some really good news for you today. God does not give up on us. God has not given up on you. God's not given up on me. He, he's not given up on America. He's not given up on Colorado Springs, but we've wandered away from him. New Life Church, we've wandered away. And in this day, on August 2022, I'm calling all of us to come back. Come back to him. And the way you come back is just repent. 
Repentance is one of the most beautiful words in all the Bible. And we've misunderstood it for years, but it's really a beautiful word. It's just simply opening the door. He says, behold, I stand at your door. I'm knocking. All you have to do is open the door. Let me in. That's what repentance does. Just welcome him in. And he's not coming in to hurt you. He's coming in to heal you. And here's the good news. He'll help you clean up the mess. You don't have to have your house in order for Jesus to come in. He is very accustomed to coming into messy lives. So I want to pray for some of you today. Some of you, you have a calling on your life and you've been running from the Lord. And I'm calling you back. I'm telling you, Jesus is going to pursue you anyway to the end, until you take your last breath. The hound of heaven is going to pursue you. You're not going to get away from his pursuit. I want to pray for you, Father in heaven. There are men and women in this room who have drifted away from the Lord today. And by your great mercy, because of your great love for them, you're pursuing them. And I'm calling the prodigal to come home today. I'm calling for the prodigal to return. And if that's you today, would you just say, yes, Lord? Yes, Lord. Some of you watching online, you're watching right now, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is gripping your heart. And all you guys say is, yes, Lord, I'm coming back. Yes, Lord, I believe. And just like that, just start turning your life around. The Holy Spirit will help you. He'll turn you back toward Jesus. There's another group all together in this room where you have, you're mad, you're angry, but you're not weeping. You're more mad than sad. And the Lord says, I want to break your heart for what breaks mine. I want you to return to the calling. Some of you have, were called into something, into business, into marriage, into parenting, whatever it was. You knew the Lord called you into something. And I'm here today to fan that flame. The Bible says to fan into flame the gifts that I've given you. In other words, stir them up, breathe on them, let the Spirit breathe on them, make them come back to life. So Holy Spirit, if that's you today, if, you're, if you realize, say, Pastor Brady, I'm called, I know I'm called. Would you just lift your hands and let the Holy Spirit remind you of your calling? Come on, this is between you and the Lord. Just lift your hands before him and say, Father in heaven, remind me of the calling of the Lord on my life and fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit that you placed inside of me. Fan them into flame. Come on, we're gonna sing this song. And the whole time we're singing this song, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to come and breathe on you, to renew your calling, to bring you back into the fullness of the Lord. And in just a moment, Pastor Daniel is going to come to the table of the Lord. Let's lift our hands. Let's worship together.
get your communion elements ready to receive, church. I sense that in this moment today as we come to the table of the Lord that what Jesus wants to do is to restore our courage for the calling. Jesus, this is the last supper. The last supper before what? Before he dies. <laughs> before he picks up a cross. Before he's whipped 39 times on his back and they jam a crown of thorns in his skull and nails in his hands and feet and a spear in his side. And Jesus, you know what I sense he was doing on that night? He was signing back up for his calling. One last meal and let's go. It says that he got up from the table and he went out from there like it was game time. And so today, some of you, you're, you're sensing that stirring of your calling, but today Jesus is gonna give you strength and courage to fulfill that calling. You'll eat, the la you'll eat this meal from Jesus and you'll get up and you'll go out into our city and it'll be game time. So Jesus, we invite you to give us strength today. Would you begin to ask him for courage to sign back up for your calling today? Jesus, would you give us unshakable courage would you help us to set our face like a flint, determined to do your will? Would you help us, Lord, to race back into the life that you've called us to? On that night, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. Would you break that little wafer in your hand? And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you, for you, so you can go do it. And as often as you do this, remember, Jesus says, so today, church, Jesus is for you. He is strengthening you and giving you courage to step back into your calling. You may receive the bread. I love how Jesus helps us look forward. But when he takes the cup, he says, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood, and it's given for the remission of your past sins. The things that you have done before here, sure, he's taking care of your sins into the future, but he knows that shame haunts so many of us. And he says, this is given for the remission of your sins. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Let's go. So today, some of you just need to receive forgiveness. Some of you need to have that past washed away and believe that Jesus is actually for you. Church, you have been forgiven because of the sacrifice of Jesus and you may receive that forgiveness. Come on, let's sing it. There's nothing better than you. Come on, church, let's worship.
hasn't it been great to have Pastor Brady back in the house today? Dad's back. Here we go. Dad's back. Brady, we love you. Welcome. And uh, be praying for him. Strength over his body. We pray the blessing of God over you. You got a long run in front of you, and we're here for it. So bless you, bless you. Church, would you open your hands as you go from here today? Speak courage to step back into your calling. Strength to go do the work. Fearless, fearlessness to look Goliath in the eye to rebuild the walls. Lord, I pray, send us out of here with the blessing of God. And so may the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his bright smiling countenance upon you and grant you peace. And I pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here today? beautiful day in the house of the Lord. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If you have prayer needs, we'd love to agree with you. If you're new, come see us at Connect Central. Go from here today in God's grace and peace. Much love.